podcast for round 25. Um, my name is James Smith. I'm at Inside Sport Magazine. And joining me is Jeff Centenera, my colleague at Inside Sport Mag. How are you, mate? I'm well. Row, round 25. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, indeed. Two weeks to go. It's, yes. Uh, and I think it felt like yesterday that we were putting out our... Our preview edition, didn't it? Yeah, it really did, and we had all that confidence about the Canberra Raiders. Yeah, now, where, where, <laughs> yeah. Did, where, where did that evaporate to? Canberra and Penrith are just finalising their preparations for the Green Final now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, so um, on the show today, we're, we've got a very interesting show. Actually, we've um, come up with some really good topics that not necessarily everybody else is covering this week because dead set this player uh, union. Um, uh, uh, saga that's going on. Everybody's got that covered, haven't they? Yeah, well, it's it's a big deal. I mean, it uh, if, if it kind of turns out to be serious, it holds the most kind of grave consequences for the game. But um, you know, it, it looks like I, I'm you know I love to see the most kind of uh, you know the biggest downsides in these situations, and I, I would say you know if, as long as they're kind of driving to an agreement on the money, which it looks like they're doing, they'll they'll get it resolved. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about um, the length of the season. Uh, you know, 24 rounds plus two buys, is it too long? Um, and we're also going to have a quick uh, chat about the Newtown Jets, who um, had us as a guest at their uh, awesome um, annual event last night. We're going to go through our hero and zero of the past week and have a look at their round 25 matchups and uh, and, and, and uh, a World Cup countdown section we're going to focus on Brad Fittler and his um, uh, Lebanon. The, the pride of Lebanon. Yeah, he's, he's on fire lately. And, uh, and then we're going to um, have a bit of a listener interaction with um, our review mirror section. So uh, let's kick off. Oh, before we kick off, um, we just want to remind you that uh, the September edition of Inside Sport is out now and uh, with Billy Slater on the front. So yeah, don't miss that one. Please buy it. Read yeah. it. <laughs> Please buy it and keep us in a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the length of the season, mate, you, when we were throwing up um, topics of discussion, um, we were trying to get away from the, uh, the RLPA and then you suggested the length of the season and it's... It's a, it's a really important point, isn't it? Well, I, one of the things I was surprised about is in the context of these talks... I do wonder if the length of the season has come up because you know yeah, yeah. They, we we were so obsessively focused on player welfare these days, and I think the most basic component of player welfare could be you know, is how many is how many games they have to play, how much kind of damage they they do to themselves, yeah. you know, kind of every weekend. So, you know, I think there's kind of a, a consensus building around the idea of. You know, shortening the season, making kind of the games, each individual game more valuable, a bit of a bit of the NFL model. You know, they, they only each team only plays sixteen games, but you know that makes every single one kind of you know, uh, important. Yeah. Um, it, so, it, yeah, it um, when you kind of factor in kind of all the representative commitments as well that you know, that, that you know kind of the top league players ha- have, you know it. It would seem to be sensible that you know that kind of shortening the net, shortening the schedule, um, you know, is something that kind of could be could be on the table. Now, to be fair, I mean, there's a lot of things that, that go into that. We know that you know, for other kind of the games of a stakeholders like you know like TV and kind of various kind of operations in and around the game that you know they're all kind of kind of uh, kind of linked and calibrated to um, yeah. to 26 rounds or 24 games. 
So I, I, it's not that easy just to, you know, kind of unscramble. But um, yeah. I do wonder if that, if it is, you know, the, the, the question that just occurred to me this week is, yeah. you know, if we started the finals kind of this week, you know, do we have, you know, do we have a worthwhile set of eight finalists? Yeah. My answer would be yes. I think 24 rounds has been yeah. more than enough. Uh, yeah, to um, and uh, and yeah, twenty-two games has been enough to figure out who, you know, the eight best teams in in the NRL are. I think you're right, and that's how it used to be for a lot of years. Yeah. It, was, it was twenty-two rounds, and yeah, um, it wouldn't be good for for the teams on the edge of the eight to, to suddenly just um, have their season their season ended. But I suppose that's what it that's what it does, doesn't it? It, mm. it gives as as many fans as, as possible. The opportunity to stay interested as long as possible, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's the same argument for the top eight, isn't it? But doesn't it do the opposite? Don't you think the season gets a bit long, and yeah, then you know, yeah. you know, particularly yeah. if you're if you're a supporter of, of Wests or yeah. or uh, you know or, or Canterbury or or, uh, or or God forbid Newcastle. Not that you can't be a fan of Newcastle, yeah. but you know, I mean, the, the season I I feel has probably gotten you know quite a bit long, but um, yeah, it, uh, it, it it's it's a, I think it's a tough one. I mean. There really is no right length this season. I mean, it used to be twenty-two no. rounds mainly because you had eleven. You had eleven opponents in a twelve-team league. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would actually like to see kind of like you know, kind of you know, better math on this. Yeah. Like to you know, kind of to understand what is actually the toll of you know of an individual game on you know, on a player. Uh, you know, also like you know how much money they stand to lose yeah. you know, from you know, from eliminating uh, from eliminating games, whether that's by via gate or kind of TV inventory. But um, yeah. yeah, I just think from the players' perspective of all the things that they're kind of fighting for, and I guess you know when you're trying to take a bigger chunk of revenue share, you can't exactly you know also demand that oh we're going to work less. Yeah, yeah it, 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 I think it is one thing that um, that you know. That I think the game at large probably could behoove it to, to, to take a look at at some point. Yeah, do, do you reckon that this season has dead spots? It seems oh, to, yeah. lead, oh, leading yeah. up to Origin and especially after Origin, it has a, a it, it drops away severely in intensity, doesn't it? I certainly, and I think we're seeing that right now. I certainly think so. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, well, there's there's you know there's, there's the, the eternal problem of those of those split rounds uh, and those games opposite kind of Origin weeks. Um, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, I, th- I think kind of the way every sport has structured, it's got to be structured now. Is you, you've got to try to put your best product, you know, forward yeah. uh, every week. And you know, if you're kind of, you know, if you, you've kind of got a season that's so long that you know that you know, injury attrition is kind of a, a thing that is a determining factor by the end of the year. I think it's probably a smart thing on the part of the of the league to try and kind of figure out okay what is the optimal kind of you know length of the season, <laughs> and that number is whatever the TV networks say. Unfortunately, I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess you know that's that's what it is right now. But yeah. I don't think there's I don't think there's a sport in the world that I guess you you've got some of those kind of European soccer leagues that just you know logically play every every team in the in the comp twice, but yeah. they don't they don't play finals. So you know yeah, that's yeah, uh, you know that's, that's kind of a guiding factor there, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we look at the length of the season as something that's kind of like sacrosanct, and really it isn't. It's no. just something that was kind of dreamed up somewhere. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as we are saying um, off air, there's enough time in each season for a team to have really two form slumps mm. and then still recover in, in, in time. And, and you wonder, should that be right? Should should it be that... Um, that uh, are opportunistic for teams to, to be able to do that and then still 
for taking the semi and maybe it takes away a little bit of the, the drama mid-season. Well, you know, I always go back to what we were having a conversation with our good colleagues at uh, 442, the football mag, and... <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of our uh, one of our kind of co-workers, a uh, good Scotsman uh, who has been living in Australia for a long time, was absolutely kind of shocked by the, the notion that everybody in the league doesn't play each other twice <laughs> as they do in football. <laughs> I say no, they only play twenty-four times. So you know, strictly speaking, you've got fifteen opponents in the league. So you play, you should play a full schedule. Should be thirty. So yeah. you know, are, are we are we totally wrong-headed in our argument? Is the season is the season too short? Should we just you know get rid of the finals entirely and just play you know thirty matches per team? You know, so it's. <laughs> Definitely, and yeah. midweek as well, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, I always... Fill the airspace. One thing I always remember interviewing kind of Ryan Hoffman a few years back, and yeah. I was asking him about his year over there in Super League. And, you know, he said, oh, you know, it's not as intense, but I played I played 36 games this year. So and I was like, oh, that. geez. And they do that year in, year out, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So who knows what the, um, the ideal number is, but... Yeah, it's it's um, not 26 or 24 20, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I can 20, tell you that. 24 games. 24 games, 26 year round. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. Anyway, you, you can't complain of a lack of product anyway, can you, out of all that? No. No. <laughs> In short, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. It's uh, Mike Rearitz heading the um, RLPA saga. Um, and um, I, uh, I just want to mention the, the Newtown Jets, mate. Um, oh, uh, Newtown. Crap about them, crap on about them a, a lot lately because uh, I've, um, I've drunk the Kool Aid of Henson Park. And, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a they crap. serve you literal Kool Aid out <laughs> of Henson Park. Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to go home unless you've had some. But um, uh, they um, they had their they had this event called the University of Rugby League, and um, it, it, they labelled it the Fourth Estate. Um, I just want to read you read you this thing. Uh, there are several estates that make up the rugby league realm. The first estate is the players, and the second estate, the officials, uh, and the third estate is the fans, and the fourth estate is the press, and they had some pretty big names um, up there on a, on a panel um, at uh, Peter Shamar SL, and um, Grant Hughes stole the show. He mm-hmm. was absolutely relentless in his criticism of Des Hasler. <laughs> <laughs> he made a joke of there, every, there you go. He made a joke of starting and ending every comment that he made on, on the panel, uh, something to do with Des Hasler and... Uh, it was hilarious, actually. So, uh, and and also the highlight of the night was a um, a live rendition of "That's in Queensland." Oh, it was terrific. I think I saw that there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, they're doing massive things in the whole uh, suburban rugby league sphere, and you know they're um, inadvertently, I suppose, chiming in in the whole big stadium versus suburban rugby league debate. And, yeah, that's something you're writing about uh, uh, for the this month's uh, yeah. magazine. Yeah, and to be fair, that's that's. Um, how I got the uh, I got the invite. It's pretty pretty swanky uh, swanky event. It was one hundred and thirty dollars a ticket, but because I'd shown interest in the club, they they said come along and you know have, have a taste of the club spirit and and um, and, and what we're all about. And they're a really good community well, outfit. Well, yeah. that's what all those hipster rugby league fans can afford, can't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. They can, were, they can go to university for one hundred and thirty bucks. There were no hipsters at the event. Um, well, that's just disappointing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have, you know, like you, James. I got something of a soft spot for Newtown. You yeah. know, I mean, mainly because you know I, I got that sympathy for all kind of teams that just kind of disappeared from the from the top grade. I think North Sydney would be the same. Yeah. You know, I, the reason I think I like Newtown is that, I, strictly speaking, I'm a man without a team, as as you know. And I think if you want to go strictly by what would have been the closest football club to where I was born yeah. here in Sydney, 
it would have been the Newtown Jets. Oh. So, yeah, I'm very, very part. I, I always uh, enjoy seeing them do well. So where were you born? I don't remember, but yeah, <laughs> I, I remember looking at it one time. I remember looking at it one time. It's, it's, yeah, that, that was the closest. <laughs> he was recreating history. Like, it's good. <laughs> yeah, so good on the Newtown Jets. They're um, unfortunately not going to make the uh, semis of the New South Wales Intrust Super Cup. But they've, yeah, they've got a big game coming up um, this weekend. It's the... Uh, Annual showdown at Henson Park against North Sydney. Oh, there you uh, go. Old Boys Reunion Day. Uh, Tommy's apparently going to be there. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Is he going to so. greet people up front like you, like you suggest he should? <laughs> yeah, he should, shouldn't he? Yeah, so uh, it's a massive event um, and good on good on Newtown. They, uh, they deserve everything that's coming their way. Uh, should I move on? Yes, sure. Yeah, um, all right, so the hero and villain of the week time. Um, I'm just going to get straight into it. I just want to congratulate... Blokes like Ben Cummins and Gavin Badger have reached their 300 game mark over, over the last fortnight, and uh, yeah, why not congratulate the refs on on 300 games that the players do, and they have to put up with these mad players week in week out. They've, they've done a good job. Oh, 300 games of abuse, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, good on them, you know. I mean, you know, they, they deserve more recognition. Can, I, yeah, I, I think you can shake off physical <laughs> impacts, can't you? But those mental scars of blokes like Gavin, oh, Gavin. Um, Paul Gallen and Mick Ennis and all those chatty blokes. I think this is a question I think I should know the answer to, but yeah. do refs, can, can the refs do more than one game a week? Um, can they do like a Friday game and a Sunday game? I think, oh, here we go. Or are they, are they just, you know, I've, I can remember looking at their assignments, we get kind yeah. of email their assignments by the NRL. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just trying to recall whether, yeah, they, they actually can kind of do more than obviously where I'm going with this is that you yeah. know can they can they yeah can they basically do they have to kind of get to 300 games about as long as a player can get to 300 games yeah. so yeah it's you'd, uh, you'd think that they would be able to do more than one a weekend wouldn't you hmm. yeah, there's no there's no physical impact in in, in, in what they do I they? would like to make up a story where Bill Harrigan did every game on a weekend <laughs> I reckon you could fake that, oh, that and, you know great. yeah exactly like Bill just ran from one game to the other to the other and proved he was the fittest man in all the rugby league yeah. fitter than any of the players by refereeing every single match of the round and, and the last <laughs> game would have absolutely no penalties because he can't be stuffed <laughs> he just, <laughs> just sits on the sideline and points at people <laughs> I'd like to he, he question, keeps the fire he kept the 10 with a stick he could do it from home yeah, oh. over the loudspeaker uh, I think they're allowed to do if they do a reserve grade or an under 20s game oh, of course, yeah, yeah. then they can do a first grade or if they're, if they're on, the, on the touch line then they can referee somewhere else because I see um, last week I think it was uh, Casey Badger I think did a couple of games she refereed an under 20s match and then a few nights later, she was out at um, Penrith um, working as a touchy on, on, in, in uh, first grade. So they get their work out of them. They get their value out of them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was yeah, nice that they're um, even recognising referees, particularly when... It is good. Yeah, when, when the whole emphasis is on don't abuse them. They're humans as well. A lot of these volunteers, they... They do it for the love of it, mm. not what love they find out of it. And those those records they're setting are quite impressive because soon enough we'll replace them with robots and nobody <laughs> yeah. will be able to touch, you know, kind of 300, <laughs> 400, 500 games. The robot, this robot will bring up its four millionth first grade game. The robot will be called Harrigan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the year 3042. And our zero. Um, I'd, the spitting at referees. <laughs> we went from one ref, you know, to a ref abuser. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> how do you? How, how does 
that come about in your head? What 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 are you going through when you when you watch the referee coming down the tunnel, and you think that a referee deserves that? Well, what do you reckon? Like, we're, we're both normal-ish people. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you know, the, the, the only kind of insight I have to offer here is that I, I think league is one of those games which is a very difficult game to referee. Yeah. I think it's one of those sports where a lot of decisions and a lot of the flow of the game are very, very dependent on, on the guy blowing the whistle. Yeah. And I think the culture around the game of, of the way refs are, are kind of treated with respect or with a lack of respect, yeah, as yeah, it yeah. were, it's it's probably one of the game's uglier sides. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think officials should be held in higher in higher esteem. So we've just gone from congratulating them about these milestones that they kind of, they, uh, that they kind of chalk up to you know getting back to really what they deal with more often, which is you know uh, coaches questioning their competence, fans you know claiming that they're you know they're all kind of biased or you know yeah. or in some kind of engaged in some kind of conspiracy on the take and you know yeah. yeah and you know they're generally regarded as having done a good job when you know they're, they're not noticed at all yeah so you know it's i mean i understand that that guy's membership has been um, has been suspended yeah. so you know it's uh I don't know, maybe he's just really frustrated at the Raiders season. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense to me. Not that there's a reason to go spit, but, you know, I mean, jeez. If, if you had told me, blind, somebody spat at a ref last week, which fan base did you think it was? I said Canberra. There you go. Oh, is that right? <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I was going to ask you what... Well, what fan base is more frustrated at their team <laughs> this year? We had that meeting this yeah. morning with, with some of the organisers of the League World Cup, and I don't know if that guy was a Canberra fan, but yeah, I don't think he was, and he, he was frustrated with the Raiders. So <laughs> could you imagine if I, I should get in touch with my, uh, with my old Raiders buddy down there, the one who basically could predict 10 wins any given year. Yeah, yeah. And funnily enough, it looks like they're going to finish in around 10 or 11 wins this season. It's a perfect kind of season for that guy. Yeah, anyway, so maybe they have to put up plastic screens uh, either side of the tunnel so, so fans can't spit on the, on the players and the refs. I just can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the rugby league community is capable of anything, but yeah, it's. Um, it's yeah, we got to get back to the good old days when you know, you yeah. know, kind of women ran out in the field, you know, like that, that, yeah, that, uh, that rear view that you did a while back. Yeah. Or if you're going, if you're frustrated, yeah, if, if, if you're going to cost the referee, you know, at least be clever and humorous about it. Spitting is just low. Okay, <laughs> so we've got that right. We've just um, relayed our disgust. What if somebody right now showed us a. Um, footage of the of the can shower at Lane Park. We'd both sit there and, and say, oh, how good was that? <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> That's just it, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, like like pitch invasions, yeah. like streakers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, the, the can, like the can shower, you'd have like, you'd, you know, you'd have like things like oh and s angles being oh. taken on that. And, yeah, uh, a bit of spit hitting you in the head or a can. We've just, so, you know, it's like Tommy said. We've just grown so, we've just grown soft as a people. Haven't we? It's <laughs> soft. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so next week we'll be back with you know our zero. This guy threw a can at a referee. Yeah. What a hero! Yeah. <laughs> what a hero the guy was who spat in the face of um no, the referee. No. We've changed our mind. It's <laughs> just it's just weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Um, Cool. So we've got eight matchups this weekend um, in the NRL, like we do every weekend. Um, not every weekend. <laughs> no, not every weekend. <laughs> this this is going to be a blockbuster 
uh, Thursday night, Broncos and Eels mm. at Suncorp. They've had some really good games uh, on that ground over the years. Oh, on that ground and, and at Ames, the old ANZ Stadium over the years. Um, yeah, really looking forward to this game. Mostly to see if Parramatta are up to beating a top two side. That's just it. I think this is the kind of match where you know you could have a kind of kind of a real kind of really enhance like Parramatta's state of mind Definitely. entering yeah. the finals. You know, I mean. Um, Curiously, and this is their only trip away from ANZ in their last seven. Is that you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. They had that dearth of matches at the start. Pretty much, pretty much. So I think they really need this one. You know, I, I yeah. yeah, you don't want to lose at any time, but I, I think you know, Brisbane lose this, and then you know, I don't think kind of changes very much no. the way they approach the finals. Um, if they don't fall out of the top four, that is, but. Um, yeah, I think I think the Eels really could. It would be really good. I mean, if, I guess the I guess the most kind of salient point you can make is that Parramatta might actually have to play Brisbane in the final. So yeah, you know, won. you know, it's not it's not not a bad market to have if you and, go and into your into your you know, to the other team's home ground and, yeah. and get it. And pretty early in the finals too. You mm. think that happens? Yeah. Um, so Parramatta is missing um, Bevan French with a hamstring injury, and Will Smith's going to play at fullback, and that's basically. Oh, there are a few other minor changes, but that's basically it for mm. for both teams. And it's going to be a rip roaring game. Who do you reckon? Would you go with the Eels? Would you be brave enough to go? Uh, no, I, I'd, I'd, I'd go conservative on this one. I'm, I'm still not convinced with, with Parramatta, Parramatta, which, which yeah. means they're probably going to do really well. <laughs> but a lot of people aren't. Yeah, but they do have to keep winning and winning and winning for people to be convinced of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. So um, Friday night ish. Uh, this is the um, Friday night 6pm game. Raiders and Knights. Jeez, um, it's just a shame that Raiders are playing the Knights this week, isn't it? Where you know they, they would have liked to have played them before Penrith, got that extra two points, and then played them then and springboard off that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, it really in in when you were kind of looking at the Raiders' run home, this this seemed like the easy part of, of yeah. a difficult task, you know, to win out. Um, it, it you know the the task looks even more difficult now yeah. and because it, you know the destiny's totally out of their hands. Yeah. But um, and they were pretty ordinary last week. You, you wouldn't mind mm. betting that oh that probably won't happen. But the Knights got their tail up from those recent wins. Well, that's just it. Yeah. They actually look like an honest to goodness you yeah. know kind of you know, functional side now. So yeah. you know um, they look like the sort of team that could get get themselves together, get on the road, get into Canberra, and yeah. beat them. Yeah. yeah, and I mean they've they've actually played them tough. In the past, even yeah. even earlier this year, so it, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if you know, is there a sense of letdown for, for for the Raiders, and you know, from from there, you know, lack of faith, maybe that you know, that, yeah. it's not just gonna, it's not you know, not gonna, they really can't really, they don't have a real plausible path to the finals. No. So a lot, a lot of teams are looking at the season clock now, aren't they? They're just mm. thinking. Come on! Like, I guess the one thing the, the one thing they do have in their favor is that this game is actually before kind of uh, other sets of results, yeah. which could basically you know kind of yeah kind of rule Canberra in or out. Like you know, so if say you know North Queensland or Manly would have win, you know, I mean yeah. that would that would kind of spell you know, that would spell it for for the Raiders. But um, yeah, mm. oh, well, there you go. Still think Canberra can knock them off though. So yeah, okay, so. Next match, uh, West Tigers and Cowboys. We replay the 05 Grand Final. Uh, hmm. um, here's an interesting one for you. Bailey Sirenen uh, has, has been named on the interchange bench for, to make his first grade debut. 
is another son of Paul. There you go. So, yeah, so good to see the, the, uh, the, the name being carried down um, through the generations. Um, and for the Cowboys, you've got Gavin Cooper and Lachlan Coote uh, um, having been named amongst the reserves, so they could come back, but that's two massive inclusions for them, mm, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah, so, um, and that's at Campbelltown Stadium, that game, so... The, the Tigers normally put in a spirited performance at, at that ground, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind being that the Tigers get up there. It's uh, going to be huge. Um, next game is the Titans and the Bulldogs to kick off the uh, Saturday games, three o'clock at Seabus Super Stadium. Who will be trying? <laughs> That's right. Um, and the good news for the Titans is that the captain coach. Slash CEO, CEO and chairman Jared Haynes. He's, <laughs> he's made a comeback. Oh man, he basically there is so much attention put on this bloke. He he's everything, isn't he? He's every single thing to do with that club. It's bizarre. They brought him in to be that, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, it's... yeah but how would you feel with any other players? Like you go and bust your gut, and the media just all flocks to to Jared Hayne and and, um, and Neil Henry, but. Oh, well, I think the dogs will uh, get them here. I think the Titans are just shot, shot on, on and off the field, aren't they? You know, it's it's kind of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, <laughs> ironic. No, it's not ironic. It's it's, it's kind of curious, I guess, is the, you know, to, to use a less good word. That two teams that probably have just absolutely had the life gone out of their seasons yeah. are meeting right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a. Yeah, we're putting you in the it's like, it's like it's like you know yeah it's almost kind of like the David Letterman classic that you know two teams could meet and both lose. <laughs> they should do. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Oh gosh. Although the dogs did, they beat Manly last week. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah. Manly's you know been in the top six for most of the season, so but that just even rubs it in more to the dogs fans that haha look at this this is what we did isn't we could Des, have done it earlier on in the year but we isn't didn't. Des always motivated against Manly yeah that's true <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he must have been yeah um, anyway so ne- next game is a Storm and the Rabbitohs down at Amy Park and uh, Cooper Cronk's back for the Storm so that's going to be lovely for the, for the Rabbitohs I really enjoy that um Storm by anything here, eh? Like, Are they playing the f- the, the the full uh, lineup? Like I, I get that you need you need Cron- the storm, yeah, because yeah, you need Cronk to come back to you know just you know kind of get him back up to speed. But yeah. um, you know with the you know with the with the minor clinched, I mean, why would yeah. you? Yeah, what's what's Bellamy's motivation to you know play the the first team yeah. the next couple of weeks? Uh, his motivation is a few years ago he tried that. Yeah, um, and, and I know it's because we live right near the stadium. He rested Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk. Did he rest them at you, you know, in, in your apartment? Or something? <laughs> why, 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 why would yeah, it matter that you were near this Cameron Smith was on my couch because he didn't want to play in the game. I don't know what he was doing there. <laughs> um, he rested the day of the game against the Roosters at Allianz. And, yeah, it was... Remember when... I do actually remember this. Yeah, yeah. it was even before the Roosters... Three in a row minor premierships. Mm. It was even before then, and um, and because we, we were going to go, that's right. And I looked on my phone, and Cooper Cronk, Cameron Smith, and somebody else was out. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, let's not go there. There's no stars. <laughs> and the Roosters lapped them forty nil. I remember that actually. And, yeah, and, and yeah. on the back of that, the Storm collapsed in the finals. So I think uh, I've always watched the Storm around this time to see what Craig Bellamy's doing with his players. And mm. uh, no, no, he wants everyone back on deck. He wants. 
They're more firing, I reckon. Like my thought would have been maybe he rests this week, but then plays them the week after. Yeah. Because you don't want to be going into a final without having had that that rigor. But um, oh, man, I don't know who they're playing next week. Yeah, mm. I don't know. But the worst thing, like Melbourne oh, is all Canberra. about. Oh, are they? they finished. They finished with Canberra. All oh, right, yeah. probably in Canberra. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe. No, I think it's at Amy's. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, it's just um, they're all about they're all about putting their foot on, on you know on the accelerator and really hammering teams, aren't they? I, I don't think it really is in that storm DNA to to not do anything that's going to um, see them home. It's yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, it's it's that idea of uh, of yeah. You, again, we kind of did that story with, uh, with Tim Gabbett kind of yeah. a couple of months back. He talks about kind of. You know, we think rest is good, and rest, I guess, to a degree, is good. But you don't want, particularly at this time of year, the kind of cotton wool guys. You no. you, you got to keep them exposed to a certain type of rigor, uh, yeah. and you know, which which means like they, they they go out and play the games. By the same token, you know, if kind of they lose Smith or Crock next week or, or this week, you know, with yeah. with an you know with an injury that they sustain in game, I mean, <laughs> you know, the question will, will be floated. But that that's a risk of any kind of. Football matches, isn't it? That's right, and then it'll be why the hell did you play Cooper Cronk and Gary <laughs> Smith and Billy? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, all right. So next game is the Sharks and the Roosters down at Cronulla. Um, that's on seven thirty on Saturday. This be a great game. This one, mm. um, no no changes to either side. They're all they're both winning. They're both doing what they have to do, and they're both looking really good. At this stage of the season, aren't they? Yeah, another game that you know you think might have kind of repercussions for the finals, like yeah. Yeah. Although I've always wondered, you know, kind of games like this, how much carryover is there? Do you think? Like, you know, do they kind of get forgotten when you know? Kind of is, is the finals kind of like a clean slate? You know, can you just do you look across and say that's not? You know, look across and say that's the team that beat us the last time. It's they always you know, say it's in, in the comp starts again, but you can't ignore what's happened earlier on in the season. Can mm. you? I, and I, I yeah, and I don't think that um, that yeah, you, you, it, uh, yeah, you, you don't carry over something that you know, mm. kind of kind of from what you've seen. At the same time, you know, you do see a lot of coaches try to hold things back yeah, in, in yeah. the game plan, or you know, um, um, yeah, it uh, just just to kind of I guess to kind of look at it, mm. like I mean, they're both you know plausibly still chasing top two spots so however important you know kind of uh, well not top two because the storm have locked down kind of yeah the minor premiership but uh yeah that runner-up spot and that you know kind of home that first home final that's um, right it is you know it's still a thing so oh that's a massive prize isn't it home yeah. final yeah home final with a with a second chance if you lose mm. that's just enormous yeah yeah you, you, you would go into the game that said the Cronulla didn't have it last year so I, I don't think you know <clears throat> I don't know they didn't they went to camera yeah they went on the road to Canberra for yeah. first up last year so I don't think that really bothers them no. you know I mean they you know that was kind of one of the great things about their finals run last last year beyond just exercising kind of the yeah. the ghosts I mean they they did it in such a way that um, that yeah they uh, I don't think you know they'll come in with any kind of mindset of well, well it's going to be tougher for us to win it from this position or that position no. I think they'll you know just go in thinking we just play and we play well we'll you know do enough to win yeah and they both play like that so it's going to be a great game yeah yeah, yeah. Um, alrighty and on Sunday to round out the second last round of the season you got the Warriors and Manly at Mount Smart and Sean Johnson is back for the Warriors so. big one. Yeah, huge. Apparently, he's got to play. He has to play two games leading into the World Cup to be 
eligible. So even if you... Did, uh, I don't understand that, but I yeah. Never did I. I've never heard that rule before, um, but we heard it today from the World Cup people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, even if he has two broken ankles and a broken arm, he's got to play, otherwise he can't play for New Zealand. Yeah, that'll, even the score up, if he does have all those injuries, but he's huge, um, huge inclusion. This, this will be his second last game. Is, is Kieran Foran still fit? I can't remember. I don't remember <laughs> what, even if he, if he was actually going to get a game, but, um, but uh, yeah, um, yet another year for the Warriors. You know, as we were as we were saying before, like you know, geez, what you know, kind of. When is it going to turn around for them? Yeah. Like you know, it's, uh, it seems like they kind of changed some of the names, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's 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 almost like a perfect example of like a negative culture, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like a culture that kind of drags them, you know, kind of drags them towards. And it's not that they're terrible; it's just that they're kind of you know, kind of mediocre yeah, or, yeah. or underachieving is probably you know the, uh, the, the better thought. Yeah. I thought you know, and you know, there's still the possibility that this will happen. But Stephen Carney was was the right guy for that job, and yeah. you know, maybe he is. I mean, it's only the first year, but um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, uh, they're basically in the spot that we all kind of. Well, at least I thought they'd be at the start of the season. Did you recall that you know you thought a bit more highly of them? Oh, it would have been me putting them in eighth. Hmm. Yeah, seventh no, or eighth. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. them there. <laughs> no, no, I had them there exactly where you know, exactly where they were the year before. And, I, and people say this is their best ever side on the park. I think they've had better teams, they've had more sharper teams. It's yeah, a lot more big names in, in this year's squad. But again, yeah, as we said, it's um, just all all gone flat again towards the end of the year. Yeah. I reckon Manly will go over there and get, get points there and remain in, in, in the hunt for that eighth spot. Yeah, Manly really needs it. Yeah, you know, yeah that's, um, good point. They really need it. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, um, that's pretty much... I mean, this is a nice opponent to have, kind of, if you're trying to win a game. <laughs> you know, The only thing that could be better is that they came to Brookvale. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, you know, to, yeah, they win and yeah, Manly's effectively controlling its destiny. It'll, it'll kind of seal up the final spot. Oh, you say right, because like, Manly lost to Canterbury last week. If semi spot is on the line and I look at the draw, oh beautiful Warriors! Yeah. And I could have, yeah, yeah. Knowing that they're going to win, <laughs> yeah, New Zealand, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> That's right. Um, and rounding out the uh, round, rounding out round twenty five is Panthers and Dragons out at Penrith. A massive game. This will be a, this will be a huge crowd. This will be one of their biggest crowd in, in probably five or six years. They had a big, they had twenty two thousand. I forgot this. Against Parramatta in 2010, uh, 22,000 they packed into that little ground, and it's going to be huge. Um, hopefully, good Sunday afternoon out there at Penrith. Um, but Matt Moylan's out for Penrith, um, and Ewan Aitken is out for the Dragons. So that's either team has a bit, has a big loss. Uh, remember, this game was supposed to be the playoff for that that last semi-finals. Sport. Yeah, yeah. So Penrith are all of a sudden in sixth. And the Dragons are in ninth. Just gives you an idea of how quickly things can change. Yeah, hey? Penrith has a plausible kind of shot of the top four now, which yeah. is kind of really where you want to, you know, where you want to kind of think about being from where they yeah. are. And you know, for for the Dragons, it's nothing short of elimination game. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, this is, they lose, and then you know they can they can you know think about Mad Monday plans early. <laughs> yeah. And Penrith chasing its uh, eighth win in a row, which is unbelievable. I can't believe that. It's, um, particularly after the. First half of the year that they had, they were you're skeptical. absolutely busted. Yeah, you're skeptical though. I mean, you, is this? You think it's just an easier part of the schedule? It's not yeah, the yeah. team kind of catching kind of any kind of fire. You believe? Oh, it's a little bit of that. But mm. two years ago, I got really cut when people were saying it was easy draw, blah blah blah. 
And I thought, well, what do you, what's an easy draw? You can't say on one hand, OK, this is the toughest league comp in the world, there are no easy matches. And then on the other hand, say, no, they've been given an easy draw. Well, it, but, that, but they have, like, if you have a look at their wins recently, yeah. I don't think they've beaten the team inside the top six, I think. So. Sure, well, posit it yeah. this way. Um, are they playing as well? Or better than they were playing kind of this time last year. No, definitely not. Yeah, see, no, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that that win over the Cowboys two weeks ago was pretty ordinary. Oh, um, and even even last week they they won on the bell basically. They, mm. Yeah, they, they haven't been very convincing this year. I, I've really got to admit, but yeah, I, I just I hope that they can find that semi final form over the next two weeks. See how we go. Well, you know, in that in that respect, trying to get into the you know into the into the top four, getting that second chance is is you know is kind of a, kind of a worthwhile goal. You know, yeah. particularly when you feel that that way about your team. And I really thought they'd be on the edge of the eight, and now they yeah legitimately can yeah can can crack that double chance yeah, and um, possibly save our reputations from our season um, preview. Oh, that's that's shot to hell already. <laughs> I spit on, I spit on that magazine. Oh, yeah, so do I. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so there you go. Hopefully that helps you ahead of this weekend. Um, so we've got our uh, World Cup countdown section that we have each week, and uh, um, you know where we pull out a bit of bit of information about the, the teams competing. And I wanted to um, talk about Brad Fittler's um, role as Lebanon coach. He's really taken taken it by the horns. He's he's done it. He's handled it in the Brad Fittler most type of way. So. Freddie doesn't strike me as a guy who grabs many balls by many, by, you know, by the horns. <laughs> and the way he's embraced this one yeah. is really kind of surprising to me. And and uh, yeah, but you gotta you gotta give him credit for his enthusiasm. Definitely, yeah. Um, to let you know what we're talking about, um, Michael Chamis in the SMH this week uh, wrote, um, "We all know Brad Fittler lives life differently than most. So if you drive past him in the streets." and hear some um, Arabic music blaring from his car, don't be alarmed. The Lebanon coach has taken it upon himself to learn the national anthem of the team and will be coaching at this year's Rugby League World Cup. You've lost it. <laughs> this is outstanding. I love this story. You know, this, it gets better. Mm. Um, not satisfied with learning the anthem himself, he's ordered all his players, including Farah, Leitcher, Tim Manor and Mitchell Moses, to learn the anthem by the time the World Cup rolls around. That's good policy. I suspect they don't know the anthem. Yeah, they, yeah probably haven't been there, a lot of them. Yeah, um, he's told me he's listening to the Lebanon national anthem in his car and learning that song game day, he's ready to go, uh, Lebanon assistant coach Luke Burt said. I'm struggling, but he's told me I have to learn it. Um, I'll keep working on it. Isn't that great? <laughs> Luke Burt and Lebanon. You'd never... <laughs> I really hope, you know, considering that you know Lebanon is going to be Sydney's team during the World Cup, oh, that, yeah. that it kind of gets the you know kind of it kind of gets the turnout and the response it uh, it deserves. Maybe know. maybe that's his motivation. Yeah, he he obviously needs Lebanon to get support. They're predicting um, a big crowd for that game. That's not going to be a five thousand, ten thousand game. Mm. They're predicting a big turnout for. The Lebanese community in Sydney is huge. So. Absolutely, yeah. And it's been a great. It's always been a great rugby league community. <laughs> yeah. It's um, you know, I when when Freddie took this up, you know, I was very skeptical. Uh, I thought, you know, he was doing it so, you know, I, I think he was trying to scam some, you know, some food, like you know, like a really good, really good meal. I thought that was going to be his motivation, but you know, good on him. You know, I mean, it's. Uh, it, 
I can remember once at the last World Cup, um, I interviewed uh, Anthony Minicello just after he got oh, yeah. back from, uh, yeah, from from playing for Italy, and that, that was when the World Cup was over there, uh, yeah. over in England. And he, you know, you know, these this are guys who played for Australia. These guys won grand finals, yeah. and he talked about it being one of the best experiences of his career. Yeah, great. You know, he really, really loved you know playing for Italy. I mean, it's not exactly the most intense kind of you know league you're ever going to play, but you know, it's. Um, yeah, it's one of the kind of the wonderful things that can, can you know, one of the more wonderful places that football can really take you. So yeah, you know, yeah. It, um, yeah I, I kind of really give credit to, um, yeah, to you know, to you know, figures like you know Fittler and uh, and Farah and um, and Mann and company that you know that um, yeah that they're kind of lending themselves uh, to this course. And they don't have to do it at all, do they? No, no they don't have to do it at all. Yeah, so. No, that's terrific. We'll see see how, how they go and see how many players know the national anthem when the, the camera is panning across them during during the anthem. Now, 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 now there's going to be the intrigue of the game. I'm going to be watching to see you know Freddie's lips moving. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. That player doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. Yeah, yeah it's going to be great. All yeah, right, you now, don't we'll, get to line up in the 13 unless you know you, you, you pass the international anthem oh, test. You never know. It's probably, <laughs> it's probably going to be a rule. It's, uh, one of the chambers <laughs> did right. We all know Brad Fittler lives a life differently. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're, gonna, we're about to head off. But um, uh, just before we went to air, I'd, I posed a question, question on Twitter uh, just to see what, what uh, response I'd get. Actually, it was purely a, an experiment. Uh, which players of the 70s and 80s would be able to um, handle today's NRL? And uh, got some really good responses. Just wait, first, first, just a little bit of background on this one. We've been toying with this question for a while, ever since, um, I think it was Blocker uh, Roach kind of put yeah. out there that he thought that of today's players, he thought that only Paul Gallen and Josh Maguire were yeah. really kind of cut from the cloth of the classic kind of 1980s style oh. forward. So yeah, I mean yeah, kind of yeah, kind of just, just to flip this around, it's that would uh, be a great bit of question. Who would have <laughs> today, back then? That's what I thought you were doing. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, that can be our, that can be our question for next week. Next but, week. You know, it's uh, uh, <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know. I like these answers. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like I, you know, kind of yeah, call it. <laughs> All right. So Leonard R. Gregory uh, nominates Gavin Miller, Mark Graham, Peter Jackson. Um, uh, stars in their own era um, uh, would be uh, yeah. So, so the game hasn't changed as much as some things. Like that, that was his point. So mm. so Gav and um, and Mark Graham and, and Peter Jackson. Uh, all right. So Les Boyd. Uh, sorry, Mike Eden, rugby league legend. <laughs> Mike Eden. I was going to say Les Boyd right in and say Les Boyd. <laughs> I could handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Eden, Mike Eden. He's um, Mates with us on Twitter. He, he nominates Les Boyd and Paul McCabe, <laughs> Wayne Pearce, The King Would Kill It, um, uh, uh, Poised King Game, Deceptive Pace, etc. Fitness uh, Regime, Imagine Him Fit, Hashtag Roy. Here's the thing, here's a question there for you. Like, and, and this is kind of was brought to my mind as I was looking at you know, how, how, how so many good these responses are. Yeah. Surely, like, you know, while he could make it in today's game, but what position on the field would he be playing? Do you think he'd still kind of be playing in the same areas and spots? Not, not just maybe the position, but you know, um, the yeah. same kind of playing in the same area of the field, playing the same way that um, yeah that, that Wally God. played. He'll be almost he'll almost out in the centres, wouldn't he? Like possibly, yeah, yeah, possibly. I mean, centres are in the back row. Yeah, hooker. Great question. Yeah, yeah. playing as a playmaking hooker. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that, that's the thought I had in mind when I was looking at this. When I was looking at this list, that um, you know. 
you know, the, the classic rank, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd have a lot of halves who could, you know, uh, from that era who could basically play as, as you know, as, as number nines now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could have, you, you would have a lot of players, you know, who would, yeah, who would kind of still be relevant in today's game, just, I think, in different parts of the field. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have centres playing as, um, you know, attacking centres playing as fullbacks, perha fullbacks perhaps. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or things of that nature. Jeez, a good point, mate, yeah. Mm. Uh, Steve Kuypert, an old colleague of ours. Yep, our good friend. With, with Steve now, he's... Um, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's still in golf, back at, uh, back at Golf Digest. He's so, in yeah. golf media. Still yeah. suffering with power. <laughs> he's, he's nominated Ziggy Niscott. Yeah. But mostly just so I could type Ziggy Niscott. <laughs> Ziggy Niscott. <laughs> James. Uh, Do you think Ziggy's name basically? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if we could have a Ziggy back. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, James says, uh, realistically, most would adapt to the modern game if they were full time professionals like they are today. That's a good point. Yeah, they, all, they all actually had jobs. Do you like think some of the big props, though, might, might kind of. Not be as relevant. I'm, I'm pretty sure the good footballers among them would, yeah. um, but you know, the, the real kind of big, kind of dreadnought, oh. dreadnought types. You know, I, yeah, I, I fail to. Uh, the other kind of element that um, I would kind of, and just harking back to what you know, the point I made before, yeah. a, a lot of those small wingers, I think, might might have some difficulty, particularly because the way the, the way the modern game is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they could probably be repurposed to some area of the field, but I think the small man really struggles, you know, in, in today's game, in, you know, yeah. kind of the way defensive lines are. And, you know, um, I've, I've, all the, the small rugby league players I met, they may be short, but they're not small. No, that's right. <laughs> they're all yeah. built like fire hydrants. So I do wonder, wonder whether that kind of like that little wispy winger who used to kind of, you know, trot up and down the sideline, never get his you know, jersey dirty <laughs> yeah. and score, you know, Loads of tries, you know. I don't know if that player kind of, you know, no. admittedly, maybe they look like a different player, yeah. you know, these days, you know, as the weight training and so forth. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of my thought there. Oh, very interesting, yeah. Uh, AJ Mithen, who, um, ah. who's a podcast IP, this is our favorite one, here. Ricky Wolford and Bradley Clyde. <laughs> love it, <laughs> I love it. They both. Yeah. Critical question: Would Bradley Clyde still be as perfect in today's game <laughs> yeah. as he was back then? You get eleven out of ten every week. Still, would he? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Reese Featherstone, Wayne Pearce, Stillo, Eric Groth, Brad Clyde. So mm. they're all obvious ones. There, um, I still won't be able to handle these. Sure, ones. Wayne Pearce was almost like a future a footballer from the future who was yeah. you know, playing in that time. Yeah, dead set. Yeah, uh, Cody Crookshank says uh, none of them. <laughs> Good, good stuff. None of them because anybody you ask from that era hates the game now because it's not the game they played. So I've gone the whole spectrum. Fantastic answer. All of them would, none of them Fantastic would. Fantastic answer. Yeah, very, very good. And then the, then the kind of the point you'd layer on top of that is that you, you offer them exactly, you, know, you offer them what the players are being paid these days and then, yeah, then they would all say yes. <laughs> yeah, I can do anything you want me to. Pay me enough. And still sports who... Um, uh, broadcast Jets games and who were um, the stars of the show last night at the uh, Jets um, night. Um, they nominate Ted Goodwin, Peter Sterling, Artie, uh, Kevin Hastings, Steve Rogers and Brett Kenny. I think Brett Kenny would be... Uh, Brett Kenny and Steve Rogers would nail it. I yeah, reckon. yeah, agreed with that in, one. In the modern, modern era. Yeah, so, no, that was fun. Um, who would you nominate, James? Oh, um, from the 70s and 80s. Um, 
I reckon, I reckon Greg Alexander would be a terrific player in this day and age, mm. just because of his, his, his brains, his game smarts. I think that's what you really have to have as a modern halfback. You can't just be, you can't just have a good kicking game. You need to really be able to read the game properly. Now, no player who can read the game properly is a bad player. Like, and he was fantastic. He, he was one of those could see the play before it happened type type people. And yeah. Yeah, love Here, watching him play. Here's a question for you. What fullback of that era would still be playing fullback today? Oh, gosh. Well, you'd like to think Gary Belcher was good under the high That's ball. true. Yeah, 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 Belcher, yeah. Yeah, him. Um, oh, Gary Jack. He had a lot of strength and a lot of pace. Mm. He, was, he was a very tenacious player. Um, who's another one? Um, another, another fullback. Oh. Nominate Phil Blake because he played every position. And, yeah, and, yeah, he was a wonderful player. Too, Fair point. So, yeah, no, very good. All right, that, that was fun, guys. Um, we'll think of another question next week and uh, see if we can, yeah, get, get some more controversial <laughs> answers. Going. Um, cool. So enjoy round twenty-five. Um, yeah, but um, just before we go, the uh, our what we're up to now. Oh, sorry, October. Octo- oh, sorry. No, we're still in September. It, we it's still in September edition. So you know yeah. that that actually did uh, stump me just. There, so. Particularly when you actually mentioned it earlier. Though. Now this week, uh, in in this uh, this week's edition um, with Billy Slater on the on the cover, um, one thing I'd kind of uh, a bit of a, a left field turn. Strictly not a not a league story, but a bit of a league element to it. Particularly with this week coming up, we've got the opening of the American college football season oh, yeah. again in Sydney for the second straight year. Sunday, isn't it? And we, we know kind of how much crossover there is between the league and the uh, and the and the kind of American foot, the gridiron type fan base. So uh, I was actually able to delve into quite an interesting story about um, the time back in the early part of uh, the twentieth century, when uh, one of the uh, colleges who's coming out, Stanford, actually dropped American football. A true football crisis, yeah. uh, you know, because you know, you know, I know how much you love those jams. Was there a Buzz Rothfield? Uh, yeah, probably, there was probably some multiple. <laughs> but yeah, um, they dropped they dropped American football for um, almost close to a decade, and they started playing uh, playing rugby. Now understand that you know when this happened, this was about 1906. This predated kind of uh, predated or actually kind of overlapped and eventually overlapped kind of league's kind of breakaway in 1908. And um, some of the Australians who played, uh, Stanford actually ended up playing the Wallabies, a Wallabies side in one of those years, 1909. And it would just so happen that at least three of the Wallabies on the field against Stanford that day, as they're playing over there in the States, would uh, would kind of break or what would be I think they were all part of the Newtown Club you know, to bring it back full circle yeah. that uh, broke away from uh, from the union here to become yeah become kind of early kind of um, fixtures all early stalwarts yeah. uh, of rugby league here in uh, in New South Wales um, Jumbo Barnett Paddy McHugh and uh, Charles Rusk I believe they were they, who who are all dual internationals. They played for both the Wallabies and the Kangaroos. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really fascinating kind of period in terms of the way kind of football was was being shaped, and it you know raises all kinds of interesting questions about you know you know would you know would kind of could rugby have caught on in the United States? I think there's an even more interesting kind of you know speculation to be made that you know union, as we all know, is, is kind of boring. So you know, and, and and its amateurism probably would have, would have been the thing that would have turned off. I think a lot of you know, kind of Americans, because you know, 
it's all about making money over there. Yeah. Could it have been league that have gained, that eventually gained the foothold mm. in, in the United States? Um, I'd even advance the point a bit further and say that you know, you know, if kind of a rugby code had really established itself, again, a real foothold in the United States. I suspect that they might have changed the game to, the, to their own purposes. That okay. they might have kind of cast, yeah. you know, you know a, a, a rugby code, you know, in, in the image that they wanted it to. And uh, it would have been interesting to see kind of what, you know, kind of what implications it, it, it could have had down yeah. here. But you know, I think my my big takeaway from the story was that we like to think of our our favorite codes, our favorite overall codes, whether it's league or it's union, whether it's Canadian football, which is evolving at this time, even yeah. the, even the AFL, you know, we tend to think of them as being these kind of, you know, kind of these, these great kind of, you know, kind of, you know, kind of silos that, you know, that kind of, that, that came into being and they, they, they developed into, you know, kind of their own kind of pseudo type, you know, kind of religions. Yeah. They really weren't in a lot of ways. You know, the lines that separate the two of them, uh, sorry, separate the two of them, separate all of them are a yeah. lot thinner, a lot thinner than we think. And I think just for a few accidents of history that we, you know, we could have been kind of been, you know, kind of been playing football in, in a very different way. And one of those accidents I've gathered from the story, it's an extremely well written piece. One of the big accidents happened when the New Zealanders took a full strength yeah. side over, played one of the teams, destroyed them, and that basically I played scared... More, it was more than one of the teams. Oh, was it? Played, okay. It was the entire tour. They smashed everybody and it scared the Americans away from things. Pretty much. Pretty much. I yeah. mean, that's what happened. They went... Um, th what they did was they there had been a previous Australian tour in yeah. 1912 where the American college sides had been fairly competitive. I mean, yeah. that Australian side wasn't you know too strong and they actually had spent a lot of their time on tour in you know rooming in the uh, college fraternity houses so they're, <laughs> they're really enjoying themselves between matches so you know the New Zealanders took a look at those results and thought to themselves okay let's send a full strength side mm -hmm. and they, they 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 sent them and over the course of about you know a couple of dozen games or so they scored like 600 points and gave up six. Oh, jeez. no that's what not 600 closer to 450 well in, in any case they only gave up like two tries the entire tour and so, you know, they, they basically did to American rugby what, you know, New Zealand is doing to Australian rugby right now, which is massively discouraging it. So yeah. it's nice to see that th some things, you know, even uh, you know, over the course of history haven't changed. No, but, um, yeah. Years. <laughs> and and, and, and just before we, uh, we go, can you tell the story about why the uh, Wallabies wanted to stick to that tight schedule of, of, of the full time? Why they wanted their games to end on time? My biggest take out of the whole story was... <laughs> Um, that story about they wanted to go back on the train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the Australians want want kickoff to be prompt or whatever. And, yeah, 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 but, yeah, well, yeah. That's just it. I mean, they were playing in Palo Alto, which is kind of okay. like you know a, a little bit of the ways out of San Francisco. They were staying in San Francisco, but uh, yeah, it, it was part of that wonderful newspaper writing style at the time, where you know the Wallabies will, will you know, the Wallabies match will kick off promptly at three thirty because they hope to return to San Francisco by train at the end of the match. Oh, so you know, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, yeah it uh, so. It's nice to see that, yeah, they, they kind of, yeah, they were very punctual. But, um, yeah, it, um, it really is a remarkable kind of tale. It's in it to see kind of, um, it just kind of blew my mind, the idea that, you know, we'll have Stanford come and play in Allianz Stadium kind yeah. of this, I think it's this Sunday? I think it's Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, yeah. Um, yeah, because it'll be Saturday in the States. Yeah. And to think that, you know, that their forebears, you know, would have, Probably once come to Allianz playing a game against you know that are that are na that are a national side yeah. the, a national side of Australia players, 
you know, is you know, it's a it's a pretty kind of uh, pretty heady kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I encourage you know, uh, you, you know, you may as a reflex like see the word wallabies and you know, all you league fans out there might, might not want to read it just as a reflex but you know i do i, I promise there is some kind of uh, kind of league relevance kind of in there so you know i fully but, encourage yeah. you to have a read but it's very good that like reading the piece before you watch that game gives it a real context um otherwise you're just watching two american sports uh, american college teams thinking so what like but but we are we do play a part in the whole college football establishment. Didn't well, it was, uh, I hope so. That, uh, yeah, that, um, yeah, it, uh, I, I think kind of you know, the very best football fans I've, I've ever met kind of all can appreciate kind of um, yeah, kind of things in things in each other's code. And I think there's yeah, there's obviously a very I, I think you know even going back to Jack Gibson who recognised yeah, kind of a real kind of yeah, kind of um, kind of common bond between between the two games. So it yeah, um, yeah it, you know it's yeah. It's a, it's a neat bit of history that's kind yeah. of I don't think a lot of people know it. Um, yeah, it's a, to kind of learn about. But very intelligently written too, um, as I say. So yeah, um, getting to that one that's um, on our shelves currently at the moment. So um, alrighty, we'll, we'll get out of here and get back to work. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Thank you, James.